Before we start our episode today, we have an exciting announcement. Our first book is available in ebook form for purchase on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and will be in print on January 10th, 2023. It is called Do Clouds Get Divorced Too? 100% of the proceeds go to support the nonprofit. It was co-written by the kids of Little Pieces Club. I asked them if you could tell your parents anything about the divorce, what would it be, and how would you tell them? Over the course of several weeks, the story of Kevin the Cloud took shape. We watched as his family dealt with common issues after divorce, from angry siblings to guilt at causing the divorce to questioning God and finally finding hope for the future. It's beautifully illustrated by an artist named Sam Wall and has Sleeping Bear Dunes as the backdrop. It is meant to be experienced together with parents reading to the kids. I've included discussion prompts and deeper information for parents to help understand the unique way children see and process the divorce. It helps you shepherd your children through their feelings. I really hope it blesses you as a parent and your children. I highly suggest that you read it a few times before you read it to your kids to prepare yourself. It hits pretty hard in a challenging but uplifting way. Now on with this week's podcast. Hi, my name is Chris Polod. I'm a pediatrician at an academic institution. And I happen to be a Bible nerd, child of divorce, and soon-to-be author. I created Little Pieces Club Ministries around the idea that when our hearts break, God can still make works of art from the broken pieces. I run small groups for children and teens and consult with and support parents. I also give lectures and seminars upon request. Our content centers around the science of adversity, abuse, and neglect, that is ACE science, and how biblical design patterns harmonize with it. Along the way, I discovered that Jesus' story, wrapped in the design patterns of the Good Shepherd and the Tree of Life, help us process, grieve, forgive, and reintegrate our souls after trauma. And this helps us grow strong in solitude and community, leading us to love God, self, and others, which is what the greatest commandments or greatest blessings are all about. This podcast is geared to help parents understand their children's point of view and to be a good shepherd and tree of life through the hard times. You can follow the ministry on social media in several different areas. Uh, on Instagram, we are at LPC Ministries. On Twitter, we are at Club Pieces. And on TikTok, we are at Little Pieces Club. In the YouTube video of this podcast, you will see QR codes for our Facebook group and our YouTube content. I love getting questions and comments. So now let's get into this week's episode. Our at-home format for small groups, for those of you um, trying to support small groups, um, starts with a fun and relaxing 15 to 20 minutes. Next time is followed by a snack or basically a meal time uh, where we go over prayers in a style that is very much like uh, examine of conscience. And then we go into the video lesson part of the application uh, following, uh, followed by a prayer to close the video and a fun and relaxing activity again for 15 to 20 minutes. So right now we're just looking at a slide uh, as I'm going through the presentation that reminds us to do something fun for 15 to 20 minutes. Hopefully it does not involve a screen, although if you are having um, 
good fun, good clean fun with someone else, uh, the screen time is okay. And then just remember to set a timer so you come back. A little bit of wisdom about why we set up small groups this way is we are actually trying to demonstrate the concept of Sabbath keeping. And we'll get more and more into that as we go, but it is a time um, to regularly set aside work, and that can mean a variety of different things, to simply rest and delight in the gifts that God has given us. So now we're welcoming people back from their fun time, and you will need journals, prayer templates, um, and then um, uh, go ahead and continue with the next um, activity. So now we're going into snack and prayer time or journaling, depending upon uh, the age group. Uh, the older kids, I tend to encourage them to keep a journal uh, while we have activity sheets for the kids. So what you're looking at on the screen is our prayer template where we look over the, the week and we just ask kids to connect with the time that they have uh, felt uh, joyful and happy. Um, they have had a good amount of fun uh, and then invited them to bring forward their um, negative emotions like disgust, anger, sadness, and fear. And when we go through those, we also want to ask, did God feel close or did he feel far at those particular times? And this is reflective of a very ancient process called examine of conscience. And what it does is it just helps reintegrate our souls. When we get a little far from God, um, we can realize that that's okay, and we just simply invite him to come back. So if those of you are leading a small group session and you um, are doing this, that's the basic idea. And what we always want to do is present ourselves as very warm and welcoming no matter what kids are feeling at a, a given time. And they may even try to provoke anger out of us. And so we just want to be aware and ready uh, to respond with patience and kindness. We are now moving on to Ask Me and Ask Each Other, which is uh, our time in small group where the kids uh, can ask any question of the small group leader about growing up in a divorced family. And this is the time uh, that's very valuable in your um, ability to write down things specifically to pray for, for each kid, and also send me questions that I can then put out in um, future content that uh, helps everyone know um, how to answer uh, questions like that. So as we pause to talk about the divorce big picture today, there's a couple of main points that we're trying to make. And the first is defining what power is. Power is linked in the biblical sense to the word glory. And glory has been translated from the word kavod, which back in Hebrew it is the idea of heaviness. And when they say heaviness, it's the impact that someone's weight has on other people and potentially throughout history. So, of course, the idea of God comes with a huge idea of heaviness. And um, this isn't necessarily 
uh, or this needs to be paired with another type of concept, with the, which is justice. So we could say that Hitler was famous and he had a lot of weight and influence and impact. But then we could also say that President Lincoln uh, was the same way, had a lot of weight, influence, and impact, and even presided over a war. But the question becomes, in terms of justice, is who was the good shepherd? And so, of course, uh, history would basically say that pro probably President Lincoln fit that a little bit better. And then in the Christian sense, uh, of course, Jesus um, even specified that he was the good shepherd. Um, so when we pair this idea of power, we always have to be thinking about justice as well. So a couple of things that we're just really planting seeds for, for the kids today, is that oftentimes the spiritually powerful will seem weak to the world. And um, the other thing is that we um, are expressing the greatest blessings when we understand the idea of power relationships. And a lot of times this is expressed in terms of leadership and followership. And um, so if you're uh, led by someone, they have a bit more power in whatever social situation uh, we're dealing with, whether it's in school, uh, class president versus a teacher versus a principal, um, or if uh, you're uh, following others. So you can always follow in love and you can lead with love. So we kind of think about those greatest blessings um, as we're going through today's, um, uh, today's topic matter. And just as a reminder, again, for divorce, we're always got our eye on the ball of happy relationships. And so when it comes to dealing with the world, we have various levels of power relationships um, socially and um, our attachment that we form early in life can flow to our view of leaders. Um, do we trust leaders? Do we have such a high bar that we can't trust them? That all flows from attachment. So from a child perspective, we remember today that attachment forms in the first uh, six to 18 months. So if there was a lot of chaos in a kid's life, um, that they might come out of it with an attachment pattern that is anxious, dismissive, or chaotic, rather than um, strong and secure. Now, the good news is about attachment is that if you understand it as a parent, that you can parent in a way that helps facilitate attachment. Attachment is flexible, even into adult years. If you know what's going on emotionally, you can work on your ability to attach. Um, so we're bringing that up as well. So of course, you can see that in a divorce picture, depending upon how the age of a child when the divorce happens, that that can certainly influence the attachment patterns uh, between men and women. Uh, a quick um, example from my life is that um, after uh, my family's divorce, I moved um, away from my father with my mother and my sister. And for at least a couple of years, there was a lot of negativity expressed toward my dad. 
And so as a, a male, I really internalized that and um, it disrupted the attachment, the secure attachment that I had with my dad. So um, there are ongoing issues with attachment that can happen after divorce. So um, parents being good shepherds after divorce need to understand that their comments can influence the way that the other person sees that gender or that uh, family. So just being um, aware and alert to this fact um, can be very, very helpful in the formation of kids' um, attachment patterns to parents. So another reminder as where we are at in our private Christian journey versus our public Christian journey, um, we are going to be working on respecting interpersonal power. And so we're always trying to, with this habit, seek integrity, build others up in truth, and try not to tear them down. And so um, this is what happens with interpersonal power structures. And so just as a reminder, we're looking at the summary slide of the greatest blessings and the uh, concepts that help form a boundary around the greatest blessings um, that we'll see from time to time in the work here. So back to the small group format, um, where it ask me and ask each other. And the specific question for this week is, who is the most famous person you can think of and what makes them important? And remember, this is kind of getting at that idea of kavod or heaviness or glory. Um, we're trying to think about a person in, that the uh, kids know that is very famous. So we're at the title slide. And today, we just like we talked about in the um, uh, pause to reflect on the big picture is we are balancing power and justice. And we see a large emoticon with a smile and a smaller emoticon with a smile. Um, so that indicates that one has a little bit more power, uh, but is wielding it in a, a way that um, uh, brings forth justice and love. So that's, that's running in the background today. And just as a reminder, this is part 11 in and also episode 37. So for our elephant assessment test, this is just a brief discussion, almost a continuation of ask me and ask each other. But if the president of the United States walked into the room, I would feel on one side really nervous and then on the other side, not quite sure. And then on the good shepherd side, I would be fine with that differential of power. So when um, Jesus, as he interacts with the Pharisees, we see that human power structure. And we also saw that people uh, had some injustice to them. And where this all kind of comes uh, to light is that um, people see themselves as rule makers and power becomes their identity. And that is a recipe for injustice. In other words, what I say is right and I have the power to make that right, can be very dehumanizing to people below them in the power structure. So the antidote uh, in all of this is realizing that everyone is God's child and that our Christian identity or our identity as loved children of God always come first. And so when they join the power structure, they have that um, in mind. So um, we can remember that if we're in a power structure that is unjust, 
that we can use our wisdom? Can we influence this structure with love? Um, or must we choose to stay or submit or rebel? But remember, what we're doing is always doing things in love. So we constantly have to be aware of a power structure and then the amount of injustice that is happening within that power structure and then what our role is in it. So in one case, we see a very wise use of power and justice. So we see a leader who is reflected as a very big emoticon on one side, and then we have a non-leader, or in, let's say, a work case, um, uh, just a, a regular worker. Uh, but if the power structure is wise and just, that we see right relationships with a win-win-win happening. And so we see also then an abuse of power structure where we have a very large emoticon showing lots of power, um, determines what the win is, and those below them feel the loss very frequently. And this is, of course, a foolish pattern and is reflective of bad relationships. So what I'm going to do in this next section is try to bring this whole idea home to the kids and give them some language and categories to think about their own families and hopefully support a parent's role at the same time. So what we're looking at is a spectrum that ranges from on the right side, uh, kind of the green side, the wise side, and then on the left side, the foolish side. And so uh, for the wise power, um, we're thinking about the emoticons where a, a wise use of power and justice is occurring. And then on the other side, abuse of power and injustice. So we're using the same emoticons as the previous slides, but now we're adding a little bit of a layer to this. So there's one side that says discipline. And this is an interesting word. Discipline has disciple in it which at its root is teaching. Um, so on one side of the, the, the wise side of the curve, we see uh, discipline. And then on the other side of the curve, we see abuse. And so whether, uh, hopefully you can see where this is going from a, a family perspective, where parents will correct and teach children. And sometimes that doesn't feel good uh, to the children, but this is much different than if we look on the other side where we see the adult has got severe, sustained yelling, physical violence, uh, dehumanizing type of behaviors. And that's where we fall on the lines of abuse. So along the lines in the middle, I have the word stress. And so what we're going to do a little bit later is have the kids kind of place on this spectrum where a given behavior would fall to help them level set this difference between discipline doesn't always feel great if mom and dad are correcting them, but that is far different than the idea of an abuse of power that's unjust and could, could be abuse um, or severe mistreatment. So that's what we're setting up in this picture. And then the next slide we're looking at, where does God fall into all of this? 
And so on the power, of course, God's power is uh, infinite with the, you know, basically the God concept that we think about. But then where does he lie in the idea of injustice? And of course, um, there's the suffering question that's out there. So even if we suffer, does that change the fact that God is good? And so that's one of the biggest things that we have to tackle as, um, as believers is what happens when we are suffering and uh, what does this mean about injustice? And the thing that we always have to come up against, and this is some people kind of call it the dark night of the soul, and uh, this is where what we think is right is different than what we see happening. And we see this gap between what we are thinking and what God is allowing to play out. And so this becomes kind of a very deep question for us as Christians. And so we try to orient kids to the fact that God is the ultimate rule maker and sometimes suffering is part of his plan, but then we can also talk about the fact that blessings are part of his plan as well. And we really don't have to look too far to realize that suffering is part of the plan when we look at the plan with Jesus. And so once we realize that God's own son is part of the suffering, it's a lot easier to process to realize that if we're suffering, like after a divorce or after some type of um, big earthquake event in our childhood, that that doesn't mean that God doesn't exist and it doesn't mean that he's not in control. And so the counterpoint to this, and we're going to the, the summary slide of the greatest blessings, is this idea of hope. So when we are in the midst of suffering or going through chaotic times and that kind of thing, that um, there is this idea of hope that is even a little bit um, irrational, uh, that we have this hope that God is weaving lines of reality together um, in a way that will benefit us and the community. So we can meditate a little bit um, and say that um, uh, a prayer to living and loving God, and that we love all of yourself uh, with physical exercise, mentally staying sharp, uh, having emotional relationships and spiritual meaning, these um, these all seem to be things that help us in these times of suffering. And uh, research shows us that for uh, overcoming adversity, they're all very uh, helpful. And so hope or maintaining hope that good things are around the corner um, is really part of that resilience. So that's why this, this uh, ancient Hebrew idea of yakal or hope um, is so important uh, with our day to day. So for a, um, a spiritual anchor today, uh, we're going to use Romans 18.8. Uh, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we see this idea of hope reflected in what Paul is saying here to the Romans. And that is that he's acknowledging that there is present suffering for sure. Uh, but remember that we have this hope that there is glory that will be revealed to us. And so one of the reasons uh, that I include this passage is that if people get caught in the idea that they are suffering, 
that suffering has always been with the Christians um, and really anybody on earth. So for us to think 2,000 years after Christ was here, that we are unique in the fact that we're looking around and seeing that suffering is happening, that we're a bit mistaken with that. And I think to me that brings a message of hope that people have known this and have still stayed loyal to the idea of God um, and the relationship with God um, uh, for quite some time. And so that's why I think um, uh, remembering and, and kind of seeing these ideas of hope coming out of the scriptures are so important. So with that, we are going to go into our right brain time and look at some activities to help reinforce what we're talking about today. And so for the small kids, um, we have the activity sheet that has the elephant assessment test, but then has several situations that they can then talk through. And again, uh, I put a lot into these small group sessions and I don't expect everyone to be able to get through all of it. So um, my hope is that you're fairly spirit-led and um, kind of reacting and responding to what the kids are showing you. And if you need to go to um, a different section, that's totally okay. But uh, in this case, um, the first case, we're talking about a teacher who gives a student a C on a test. And we say that that is a very fair grade. So uh, who had the power? So that would be the teacher. And then was this an abuse of power or discipline by giving the, uh, the grade? And then would we classify that as just or unjust and wise or foolish? And then the next one would be a teacher is yelling at a student when they had their hand up to go to the bathroom. And so then again, who is in power? That would be the teacher. Was this uh, more abusive or is this discipline? Well, it is pro it's not necessarily fully abusive, but it isn't kind of good and uh, excellent discipline either. So it seemed a little unjust and possibly falls in the foolish section. So you can see that's what we're trying to um, lead the kids through as we're going through this um, particular exercise. So for uh, the examples, um, we're just uh, uh, for the older teens and the kids um, that uh, we're going back to the uh, spectrum idea where we give each of these examples to the kids to work out. So I won't uh, repeat the first two that we just went through. And the next one, the teacher yells at a student when they raise their hand to go to the bathroom. And we put the arrow, the idea for this exercise is that we put an arrow on this stress uh, spectrum uh, closer to the abuse side of it. So then our next, um, uh, our next situation is a parent spanks a young child after they hit another child who almost fell down the stairs. And this only happens once in that child's life. So then where would we put this on the discipline to abuse curve uh, with kind of stress in the middle? And then we can just let the kids decide. Um, for argument's sake, uh, it's not excellent discipline, um, but it's uh, very clearly more on the discipline side, given the fact 
that um, what was the behavior that it's trying to correct was uh, so severe. Now, a parent hits a teenager after they forgot to do the dishes. So then we think about, was this just? Was this unjust? Was this wise or foolish? And this falls more on the abuse side of the spectrum. So you can hopefully see the fact that we are walking these kids through a way to think through what's going on in the home so that they can have a better sense of what's going on with the power structure. And for some kids, this provides resilience. And hopefully you as a listening parent uh, can understand and sort of give these categories to your kids as well. So then the next one is that a student plays a joke on the teacher and embarrasses the teacher in front of the class. So what is the student's power in this case? And in this case, it's uh, higher. Uh, was this wise? Okay. And the, the question is, well, to whose perspective? If the student was dealing with the teacher, maybe they were pretty wise in doing this kind of thing. Um, but was it uh, a loving thing becomes the next uh, idea. And so what's the likely outcome? Student will probably get in trouble. And then what's the benefit of trying to do this type of thing is actually the student might raise his stature on, in front of the other students. So this is kind of a, uh, this is a point of discussion that I wanted, especially the teens uh, to be able to look through in this uh, particular episode. So a community activity is um, we often play the simple game of Uno uh, when we have um, our interactive fun time. Uh, but this time we're going to use one special rule and that each person one at a time gets to dictate any rules for three minutes. And uh, we want to alternate between wise and fair rules and foolish and abusive rules. And we use this as uh, an ability to discuss how each person feels uh, during this game. Um, I believe we did this last week. Um, so it's just kind of looking at this with a little bit different lens. So now we're moving on into Lectio Divina, and the verse this week is going to be Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 4. And so remember that the first time that we read through this, we're just looking for a word or phrase that stands out to us so that we can further meditate on it. So in this case, I'll go ahead and read it through the first phase or the first step. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, so we're going to think about and reflect on uh, what this, uh, what the word or phrase is. And I'm going to say, do not provoke your children to anger. And uh, we're going to think about that and reflect about it in just a moment. Uh, but I'm going to read it through again. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So how do we respond to a verse like this? So as a parent, we can easily set the frame in uh, the fact that we're looking at discipline and instruction of the Lord. And if we carry that idea out a little bit, we can see that um, the do not provoke your children to anger is um, opposed to uh, bringing them up with patience and kindness and love. So uh, we can really turn this into a prayer that says, please help us. And we can ask God for help in 
uh, knowing how to be patient and kind to them as opposed to provoking anger. And in this case, this is going to be like big, big anger, more like the idea of unfair and unjust treatment of the kids. So I'll read it through again. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So then the fourth time through, we're going to rest in the fact that we have turned to God to help us try to um, instruct our children um, with uh, wisdom, love, patience, and kindness. So fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So now we get to pray uh, this episode closed. And as always, I thank you for spending time with the ministry. If you are um, being a good shepherd to your children, I applaud you and just um, I encourage you to reach out with questions. And then next is um, just um, if you're setting up a small group, I really appreciate you uh, for doing that. So dear Heavenly Father, bless our public Christian journey. We are learning the new words of power and justice. With power, we impact other people. This can be in loving ways um, or foolish and hurtful ways, which express injustice. So we need wisdom to learn how to balance power and justice and love. Bring people into our lives who can have fun with and grow with us, for this is how we bless each other, learn together, and make you happy. In this way, may we play our part in expanding your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for spending time with us. Have a blessed week until our next episode.